This morning's sermon text is Psalm 121. Please listen carefully. This is the word of the Lord. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, as we approach now your throne, we do so with boldness, knowing that Christ has paid for all of our sins. We have confessed those sins. We have been declared righteous. We now uh, come with open hearts and open minds and ask that you will uh, bring us your truth. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. You, you may be seated. I realize it's July, so probably the furthest thing from our mind is Christmas right now. Uh, and yet just a uh, a week or so ago, Will, uh, my three-year-old, he asked me, when are we going to have Christmas again? It was almost like he wanted to make sure we weren't forgetting something, right? Uh, um, but, you know, I, there's something about anticipating uh, that time, and we set it apart as a special time, and um, we actually have a, a rule in the Dunn household uh, actually, I think it's mom's rule more than anything else, that we're not allowed to sing any Christmas songs until the day after Thanksgiving. Now, I realize it seems like, I don't know, sometime around October, yeah, they start putting the Christmas stuff out, and, the, um, uh, and they'll start playing Christmas songs on the, on the radio probably around November 1st or so. But at least in our home, we wait until the day after Thanksgiving, but then after that, it seems like it's, full blast all the time until we kind of get sick of it, uh, sick of the songs. But, you know, as, as sappy and as cliche as some of these uh, Christmas songs get, they also bring up a certain nostalgia, right, as we reflect on past Christmases. Maybe uh, for some of us there's a, a pang of regret thinking of all the goals and aspirations that another year has passed by. <clears throat> there's also the joy of sharing these with a whole new generation and a hope for looking for the future. But these kind of, of songs that we associate with certain times of the year um, have a way of, of bringing us back into a certain mindset, sort of taking us out of the everyday kind of situation. And what we have here in Psalm 121 is one of, of 15 songs that show up in the Psalms that are referred to as the Song of Ascents, or, or uh, sometimes it's referred to as the Song of Degrees or, or Stepping Up. And these uh, 15 psalms, they uh, start on with Psalm 120 and go straight through to Psalm 134. And a few of them are actually ascribed to David, others are not, um, and most likely weren't written by David. But they all, and they all have a different uh, feel to them, but they're all packaged together in, in a particular way, and there's different theories about what exactly the Song of Ascents means. Uh, one 
old uh, tradition is that there's 15 psalms because there's one for each step that the priest would have to, to step up uh, as at, there at the temple as he was walking up from the first court up to the altar. So maybe even he would stop and, and sing or recite uh, the psalm and then go up and do the next one and the next one. Uh, and, and another theory, and these aren't even mutually exclusive, but uh, the most enduring and compelling is that, at least compelling to me, is that these were psalms that were sung by the Jews as they made their way up to Jerusalem three times a year for the various feasts. So sometimes you even hear these referred to as pilgrim uh, songs or the psalms, the pilgrims' uh, psalms. And so there's something kind of like... Uh, the Christmas songs, that they, they get you into a certain mindset because they're always associated with a particular time of year. And clearly these psalms were meant to be sung. Uh, many have, have remarked on that they tend to, uh, compared to some of the other psalms, they tend to be very simple and almost repetitious, and there's a certain rhythm to them that uh, definitely gives this sense that they were meant to be sung more than recited. So I want you to imagine for a moment that you're going to go on a journey, leave your home to go to Jerusalem, right? You're, you're gathering together the whole family. Uh, you're going up, and as you start thinking about it, you might be excited. You know, there's the anticipation of going and actually celebrating. There's the anticipation of seeing old friends that you haven't seen since the last feast. Uh, but there's also the tediousness of being on the road away from home, right? There's concern about everyone getting there in one piece, especially if you have a gaggle of small kids to look after. Um, so I, I want you to keep that in mind uh, as, as we read through this, because that really helps to um, put the context around how this psalm would have primarily been used. Now, one interesting uh, aspect of one other interesting aspect of the Song of Ascents is uh, a number of noted that it, it really unpacks that priestly blessing that we see in no, number six, the one that um, Duane pronounces over us uh, each Sunday, uh, the one found in, in number six, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Um, that, for one thing, in the Hebrew, that particular blessing has 15 syllables. There's 15 psalms uh, in the Song of Ascents. There's four words that factor prominently in that blessing. Uh, there's shalom, we all know that one, peace. Uh, and that word shows up many times throughout um, the Song of Ascents. There's also barak, bless, uh, and gahanan which means to be gracious, those also figure prominently. But there's one word in particular. Uh, when we hear that blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. That word shamar, keep, actually shows up uh, six different times in just this eight verses of this psalm. Uh, so there, there uh, was most likely a connection there that it's a meditation on that aspect of the blessing, that when we hear the Lord bless you and keep you, what does it mean to keep? What does it mean for us to be kept? Well, 
the, the start of the, the psalm uh, says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come? So again, you're a pilgrim making a, your way, leaving the safety and security of home, and you're looking ahead to, uh, to, to Jerusalem. And uh, to the Israelites, you are always going up to Jerusalem. I don't know if you've ever noticed that in the Bible. Anytime it talks about somebody going to Jerusalem, they don't just go to Jerusalem, they go up. Part of that's geographical because you know, Jerusalem sits on uh, kind of a hilly, uh, rocky, uh, mountainous area. So it, it, it tends to, you, it always tends to be up compared to wherever you are. But also, you know, there's um, the, the idea of, of going up to, that you're going up to be in the presence of God there at his temple. Uh, but what, was, what would be going through your mind as a, as a pilgrim as you're looking up at those rocky hills and, and thinking about the, the trek ahead of you? Uh, are you thinking maybe about that, the treacherous terrain? You know, are we going to go? Is somebody going to trip and fall? Is somebody going to uh, stub a toe or, or twist an ankle? What about natural dangers you might face? Or just weather? Um, will, it, will it be storming the whole time? Or, or is it going to be nice weather? Uh, maybe there might be attackers. Are you going to be uh, attacked either by bandits or, or maybe even foreign raiders? Are we going to get lost? You know, are we necessarily going to make it there uh, in time? And, and so the, the psalmist starts off really with a question of, of apprehension. You know, as I look up, yeah, I, I know I should be excited here because we're going to Jerusalem. We're going to go worship and celebra celebrate there in Jerusalem. But where's my help going to come from? You know, what, what's going to happen if something happens, if, if there's trouble? Um, and in fact, um, it, it's believed that this psalm, this particular psalm, is what often would be recited as, if you can imagine, you know, people just didn't go off on their own, entire villages, right? They would get together and they'd kind of all go together, right? Their safety in numbers. But as they're starting to leave, the idea was that perhaps uh, one of the elders or a priest or something, someone like that, would actually recite the psalm or they would recite it together or sing it together as they're, they're leaving. And so all that apprehension about uh, getting started on a trip is all there. I mean, let's think about it. Travel has never been easy, right? Just ask Odysseus, right? Um, or or uh, Dorothy, uh, or any of the other. There's so many stories all about trips and travel and, and, and things and all the adventures that people have. Um, and in fact, uh, uh, one of my uh, all-time favorite films is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, I might be dating myself by sharing that one, but uh, it's interesting watching that now as opposed to when it first came out in the 80s, because just looking at how much has changed about travel just in the past 30 years, right? Because so much of the interaction of that story, it's all about um, Steve Martin's character trying to get home for Thanksgiving, and John Candy's character is kind of this oafish guy who um, tries to help constantly, and they just get further and further away from home, it seems. It just seems like they just they have all these misadventures. But a lot of what causes those misadventures uh, wouldn't even happen today. 
right? Part of it is he's not able to get in touch with his wife because he can never find a cell phone or a pay phone that's working. Well, I don't even know if they, do they have pay phones anymore? Does any do do of the younger kids even know what a pay phone is? I mean, everybody has a cell phone these days, right? They've got smartphones. Um, making reservations. They, they can't make reservations because, you know, they're, they're having to call places. I mean, these days you just do it on your app and boom, you're, you're done, right? Uh, a smart app. Um, at one point they have all of their cash stolen. And so they're now, well, what do we do? You know, and these days, you got ATM machines, you got debit cards, you got all sorts of things. And, and so it's interesting how even just in the past 30 years, the notion of, of travel has changed. But imagine going even further back uh, to you know, a, a few thousand years ago. Um, you have a pilgrim, uh, a family leaving, let's say, from Joppa, right, um, that is near modern-day Tel Aviv. Well, if you had a car, which of course they didn't have back then, but if you had a car, that's only an hour drive or so once you hit the highway uh, to go from Tel Aviv to, to Jerusalem, or, or Joppa, it's now called Joppa, uh, to Jerusalem. If you were to walk, this is all according to Google Maps. Uh, I just did a quick search. If you were to walk without stopping, you know, they got the little guy with the backpack there, um, it would take 14 hours. Now, obviously, no one's going to do that straight in, in one go, especially if you have elderly in your group or small children, stubborn donkeys, um, pets maybe that you brought with you uh, that you're having to chase after. I mean, we're probably talking three, four days at, at the least. Right? That's, that's a pretty significant journey, you know, mostly doing it on foot. Um, and if you're coming from Nazareth, right, which is twice as far away, that would be the equivalent of us saying, okay, this afternoon, after we're done with church, we're all going to gather here in the church parking lot, and we're going to walk to South Hill, Virginia. Or for those who aren't familiar with South Hill, uh, going the other direction south of the border, if that's more your style. Right? So imagine walking from here to south of the border. But you're not allowed to bring a GPS, so you better kind of have a good sense of where you're going. Can't bring a cell phone with you. Uh, doesn't really matter because, you know, the internet doesn't exist at this point. Um, this is something to think about. The whole way there, there's not a single Starbucks or McDonald's. Think about that. Um, oh, and if somebody gets hurt, that's going to be a major issue. There's no 911. There's no emergency rooms or urgent care. There's not a 24-hour Walmart or CVS in case one of your children starts running a fever. I mean, think about that. That's, it, it, it's not undertaken lightly to go on a journey like that, especially with the entire family. <clears throat> and yet they did, three times a year. They would make this trip to Jerusalem. And so it's natural. I, 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 I don't begrudge them um, uh, at all for maybe having some apprehension about this trip, right? Of being uh, stressed, excited, but, but fairly apprehensive. And so it's natural to ask the question, you know, what's going to happen if something goes wrong? What's going to happen? Where are we going to get help from if something comes, goes wrong? So that's the question that this starts off asking. And then the answer is, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth.
So it's interesting, the, the question starts off asking, where is my help going to come from? And the answer is not a where, but a who. Who's going to help you? Well, his name's Yahweh. He's the, um, the, the God of, of the covenant. You know, and the fact that they use, the psalmist uses his personal name, Yahweh, is a reminder of God's covenant faithfulness. But not only, that should be sufficient to say, it's the Lord, it's Yahweh. But he follows it up with, it's the Lord who made heaven and earth. So, these mountains that you're looking at, uh, straight ahead on your journey, uh, that you're apprehensive about, your help is going to come from the one who created those mountains. Uh, with each passing mile, every field you see, he created. Every animal ga- uh, grazing in that field, every tree, every bird in the air. Imagine, again, as a pilgrim, crusting a ridge, just as you were singing these verses, and being able to see stretched out for miles and miles, a breathtaking vista, and know God created all of that and the expanse of the open sky, or especially at night, right? It, it must have been amazing if you think about it. I mean, thousands of years ago, there was no light pollution at all, so they would see every last star um, that could be seen, you know, in the Milky Way. And to know, you know, there is a God, and he put every single one of those in place. He gave them each a name, Isaiah says. And that is the God who's your help. So whatever, whatever you're, you're worried about, there's a God who's far bigger than that, who's going to be your help. So what's interesting at this point is the psalm starts off talking about I. It's all in first person. My help comes from the Lord. I will lift. And then there's a shift um, from really for the rest of the psalm. And it goes from first person to third person as, as the psalmist unpacks this. And Nobody's exactly sure why there's two speakers here. It might just be an internal dialogue. It starts off uh, with the the, uh, psalmist asking this question of himself, and then as he becomes more reflective, um, he he starts talking to himself. Uh, Certainly there are other psalms that do that. Um, Some have have suggested that maybe, uh, again, as they were starting on this journey, the, the congregation might have sung the first two verses, you know, to sort of get, get the psalm going, and then an elder or a priest would sing the rest of it while everyone uh, listened to reflect it. Or it might have just been that different groups, as, as they're going along, were singing different, different parts. And that, that's something to keep in mind. As you're going on this journey, uh, my guess is that they, um, they didn't just sing it once, right? They, they would sing the psalm many times throughout the journey. And everybody knew it. Everybody just knew uh, the words and the tune, and, and they would all be singing together. Now, let me uh, just pause for a moment and just point out that this is not a psalm that was thrown together uh, by any stretch. It's a very carefully crafted, uh, structured poem. And if you, if you look at it, the song is, even though it, it's part of a collection called the Song of Ascents, or Stepping Up, <clears throat> the psalm itself also has that pattern, because in the in especially from verses three to eight, you have a number of statements about God. The first two are negative. He will not allow your foot to be moved. Um, he who keeps you will not slumber. Um, he doesn't slumber nor sleep. 
All right, so the first two start off negative, then you have a positive statement and a negative, then the last two are all are positive. And the idea is you go along in the psalm, um, the, the implication is things are getting more and more positive. Um, as I mentioned too, there's six instances of that word shamar, keep, found in this, uh, in this psalm. And the first uh, three are more present. They're, they're God dealing directly with you. He's keeping you right now. The other three are um, in the imperfect, which Hebrew uh, doesn't have future, so it's their way of talking about future. So there's, again, there's a progression, not only today, right now at this moment, but throughout your life. So there's this, there's this definite progression as you go through. And something else to point out, too, as far as structure. Right in the middle of the psalm, in verse 5, you see, the Lord is your keeper. It's a very uh, simple, straightforward statement. It's actually only um, two, two words um, in, the, uh, in the original Hebrew. And this is true of most uh, of a lot of Hebrew writing. Uh, the emphasis is placed in the middle. In our, in our day, we tend to emphasize things that are at the beginning and the end. But um, in Hebrew writing, especially in poetry, right in the middle is, is what uh, tends to get emphasized the most, or, or the most important part. And what's interesting, this phrase, Yahweh is your keeper, actually has 58 syllables preceding and 58 syllables following it. So it's right smack in the middle. You can't get any further. So the point of the, the psalmist seems to be pretty clear that he, he's saying, the Lord is your keeper, and take heart in that. Um, you're, you're, as a pilgrim, you're being assured you're, that um, all your concern for your present safety as well as your future well-being can all be taken care of, be brought under this, this notion that the Lord is your keeper. So what I'm going to do uh, for the remainder is, is go through each of these verses and look at how uh, God is our keeper. And, and then we'll uh, have a few practical thoughts on this. So verse 3, or, or the, the first statement is that our keeper, God our keeper, does not let us stumble. Uh, in verse 3 he says, He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. I mean, if you think about traveling long distances, and you're doing mostly walking, um, especially across rocky, hilly terrain, it can be difficult or even dangerous. Uh, the pilgrim might sprain an ankle, trip and fall, breaking an arm, um, or even maybe make a misstep and fall down a cliff, could possibly die. I mean, being injured at home is bad enough, but being injured while traveling is extremely stressful. Um, we know this uh, when uh, Christy and I were on our honeymoon, we were in London. We hadn't been in London more than uh, an hour, and we were walking um, down the sidewalk, and Christina somehow got her foot caught uh, in, in, in the, uh, a hole in the sidewalk and twisted and went straight down. And so, of course, there's all these people around trying to, you know how English people are. They're all, oh, dear, I'm so sorry. Can, can I help you? And there was some cab driver pulled up and was like, just get in my cab, just get in my cab. And I'm saying, whoa, 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 I, I don't even know what's going on. Um, 
and I, I was less than, than helpful. Um, Christina, I'm sure, would enjoy telling you the full story. I'm just going to leave it at that for now. But, <clears throat> but it's, it's stressful. Um, again, being somewhere, I, um, I got uh, really sick one time when I was in uh, Ukraine. And uh, I, I needed some medicine. And of course, I don't, I don't speak Ukrainian or Russian. And <laughs> so uh, I had to have some of my uh, friends, my, my coworkers, write down in the Cyrillic uh, what, my, what medicine I needed. And so I took it to the, the, the chemist, the, the pharmacist, and all I could do was hold the, the sheet of paper that had that word. And he, you know, he's like, oh yeah, there. And so I, I took it back, and of course, before I took it, I was, you know, online, you know, trying to make sure that the letters matched up to, to what it was. I, did, I wanted to make sure I knew at least somewhat what I was taking. Um, but it, it's stressful. It's stressful to, to, to be somewhere different, uh, somewhere where you, you don't have maybe all the, the things at hand to take care of yourself, and yet... This verse reminds us that the Lord is our keeper. He's, the, the language is very much like a shepherd making careful watch over his flock. That any, any misstep, any stumble, you know, the Lord's right there. He's going to pick you up or, or he might even help you so that you don't stumble at all. Uh, it, it harkens back to Psalm 23, which we're, of course we're all familiar with. Uh, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I mean, David as a shepherd knew that there were times where he'd have to use that, that shepherd's crook to, to catch a wandering sheep before it fell into a ravine, before it could hurt itself. So <clears throat> here, the pilgrim's being assured of God's watchfulness. Uh, and what's interesting is it, he says, not only will God not allow your foot to be moved, but he who keeps you will not slumber. And in contrast, maybe especially towards the end of the day, as you're getting tired, maybe you're starting to doze off a little bit as you're walking. Um, again, you know, they, they, they wouldn't have been driving. I guess they could have been driving carriages and stuff. Um, but, you know, they, they might even be starting to, to, to doze off a little bit. And yet God is still watching because God doesn't get sleepy. God doesn't get tired. And again, this is the same God who made heaven and earth. So he knows every inch of that road. He knows where every rock sits, any, any possible way that you could be harmed. And so take comfort that he is watching over you, that he's keeping watch over you. Now, so not only does God our keeper not let us stumble, God our keeper does not sleep. So in verse 4, we're reminded, behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. You got to imagine on a journey like this, the nighttime was probably the scariest, right? I mean, first of all, there wouldn't have been all these street lights and such. It would have been very dark. Uh, especially imagine if you were stopped for the night, stopping for the night in a desolate part and maybe your eyes are scanning the horizon as the sky's turning a purpley orange and you smell the crackling fire, but it doesn't seem to be casting back the shadows as, as far as you would like. I mean, that's when you start to hear all these, these strange uh, critter noises going on, right? And it's always difficult falling asleep in a strange place anyway. The noises are all wrong. The air doesn't 
feel different. Maybe you're always a little bit more on your guard, so you never quite fall asleep all the way. And, you know, it, it, it would have been something that, that they would have been dealing with, both uh, the children as well as uh, the adults. I mean, even at home, snuggled in your own bed, you know, waking up in the middle of the night can be unsettling sometimes, right? Especially for, for small children. I don't know if some of you, you children, when you wake up in the middle of the night and it's dark, if maybe you get scared. Um, sometimes adults do, right? Uh, sometimes adults get scared. Or sometimes that's when we are just laying there trying to fall back asleep that our mind tends to race with all these uh, unthinkable possibilities, right? The things we normally don't think of during the day, you know, all these what ifs. Uh, what if one of the children got hurt? What if somebody tried to break into our house? What if I can't pay the bills this month? What if something happens to me? What, what will happen to my family? And yet, our keeper, God our keeper, does not sleep. Every second you're asleep, he's still awake and he's watching over you. You could wake up a dozen times tonight and ask, are you still there? And God would respond back, yes, I am, my child. Go back to sleep. I'm watching. And that's a good thing. I mean, we all need sleep. And yet, it's at nighttime when we're asleep that we're the most vulnerable. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about that, that there's a point in time where you're not paying attention to everything going around you. It's a very vulnerable time. Uh, And yet, thankfully, God does not sleep. I'm reminded of um, the, the time when Elijah went up against the, the priest of Baal. Remember, he had that big standoff uh, against the priest of Baal where he had the, the two sacrifices. And the priest of Baal, he had hundreds and hundreds of these priests calling on, on Baal, their god, to bring down fire and to light, light their sacrifice. And after a while, you know, I just kind of just sing back with kind of this grin on his face, and he starts taunting him. And I don't know if you remember what he says, but at one point he says, you know, go on, shout louder. Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe you need to wake him up. Maybe, maybe he had other things to say too, but, uh, but that one in particular, he was taunting him. He said, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe you need to wake him up. Our God doesn't sleep. Our God's always awake. And this is uh, uh, something that we tend not to think about, especially, again, at home, you know, when we lock our doors and, and we make it through the night, you know, it's just another day. Um, I, I, I love in the Book of Common Prayer, uh, Church of England's Book of Common Prayer, it, the very first prayer for the morning time for individuals and, and families to pray, uh, it starts with this phrase, Lord God, Almighty and Everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. What a great reminder every day to wake up. We, we take it so for granted when we wake up in the morning that we actually woke up that morning, right? That you know, a tree didn't collapse on our, our bedroom or, or that you know, there wasn't a storm that blew our house away or somebody didn't break in uh, in the middle of the night. We, we should take the uh, light and, and be thankful every day that God preserved us has given us yet another day to see. But not only that, um, at night, before we go to bed, we should acknowledge to God, you keep us, you keep us. It's a great truth to remind uh, small children especially. Um, I do that uh, every night before Will goes to bed. We, we pray, Lord, 
Thank you that you're a God who doesn't sleep nor slumber, that you watch over us all through the night. And that's a great thing, uh, children, for you to, to remember as you go to bed, that God is watching over you. Mommy and Daddy might be asleep, but God is watching over you all through the night. So, not only is God our, our keeper and is, uh, doesn't let us stum- stumble, he doesn't sleep, he's our keeper at our side. If you look at, at verse 5, he says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Now, this is an interesting image, God as your shade. And it has potentially two meanings. And, and again, they both could be true at the same time. One is that he's a protection from the heat. If you imagine you're out there uh, in the middle of these, these long uh, roads, uh, maybe this desolate area, there's very little shade and the sun's beating down on you, um, the idea that you have a God who's sort of keeping you cool and comfortable, that's a, that's a great image. The other, though, could mean that he's also at your right hand to defend you, right? That he's almost, the image is God walking along beside you personally as your bodyguard, um, that he's your ever-present companion, and that he's not going to let anything touch you. You know, it's interesting that it says your right hand, right? Because your right hand is your fighting hand, right? Sorry, lefties. Um, for most people, your right hand is, is your fighting hand. Your left hand's what holds the shield. Um, and if you think about it, you can almost say, I'm already covered, I'm shielded. You've got an even bigger shield on your right hand side because God's walking right alongside of you. Um, it reminded me of that scene, I think it's from A Horse and His Boy. Um, I think there are more uh, Narnia proficient folks here than me, but there's that one scene where I think it's Shasta is walking through this fog, and he's, and he's already scared, and he suddenly realizes that there's this lion walking beside him, and he has this conversation. And the lion, of course, is Aslan, and, and the lion, uh, Aslan, walks alongside of him the whole time. It's this, uh, the same image here of God walking along uh, beside you. And... Uh, that's the beauty of it. We're never, ever alone. God is always our ever-present companion. Um, Psalm 139 uh, unpacks this truth so well, where he says, You've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Uh, a little further on, he says, You've hedged me behind and before, so you're both in front and behind, and you laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there you shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. In other words, there's nowhere in the earth you can go that suddenly God says, uh, that's okay. You, you go on. I'm, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to hang back here, right? Um, again, to Israel's neighbors, to the other, um, the other cultures, their gods were regional. You know, they they actually thought, okay, our gods tend to hang out here, but when I go other places, you know, we're we're kind of in the domain of other gods. You know, our God is the God of heaven and earth. He rules over all of it. There's not a single square inch that God hasn't said, this is mine. And this is the God 
that, you know, so even as we leave and go somewhere else, God is there and everywhere in between. Uh, and he is the one that's going to walk alongside of us the whole time. And there's something comforting about that. There's something uh, very comforting about knowing that God is there at all times. Maybe uh, the, if we can reflect on that more, maybe we can be less stressed and, and just enjoy life. I, I was thinking about uh, this just earlier, uh, or, or just last week, uh, we took a, a trip to the beach, and this was actually Will's first time. I know, three years, we probably should have taken him sooner, but it was his first time to the beach. And it was all a new experience for him, and it was a lot of fun watching him get excited about it. Um, and the very first thing, at first I was worried he was going to be afraid to get in the water, but actually I was the one that had to be afraid because he immediately darted for me. Sorry, the water is just moving around and around. And uh, the waves were pretty choppy, and, and so like, every time he was there without somebody holding his hand, he would fall straight forward and start moving on ahead. And, and so you know, I spent pretty much the entire time right there, and every time he'd fall over, I'd pick him back up and pick him back. Didn't deter him. He just was enjoying it and just having a great time. Uh, and again, it's the same idea that God our Father is always right there picking us up, picking us up. And we, we may even put ourselves in, in positions that we're not even aware of how foolhardy he is, right? That we could be swept out to, to sea on a riptide or something like that. You know, God's right there. God's right there. Always watching, always uh, protecting us. So moving on, our God uh, is not only uh, at our side, but he protects us both day and night. And, and this is... A, uh, you see this in verse 6. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Now, clearly, you know, it's obvious the sun striking you by day. Again, uh, I guess if you had stopped at your local convenience store along the way, you could have picked up some sunscreen. Oh, yeah, right. They didn't have that either. Uh, so you're out there in the elements. I guess you could wear a hat or, or something like that to keep the sun off of you. Um, but that certainly has its dangers, uh, and, and it's using the word strike here, uh, you know, of, of the sun attacking you. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and even the moon attacking you, which is kind of interesting. I, I don't know if anybody ever gets moon burns, but, um, but from ancient times, it was always kind of a popular superstition that the, the moon was kind of dangerous, and you wanted to be careful because... A lot of cultures even believed that the moon could cause illness uh, of some kind or, or, or cause a disease. Um, the, the root word of lunacy, uh, our, our, one of our words for, for mental illness, has its root luna, um, or the idea of being moonstruck, that, that sometimes uh, are, uh, they believe that you could actually go crazy because of the moon's effect on you. Um, so certainly there, there may have been that, but there's also the sense that in the, whether it's in the sunlight or, or the nighttime, there's all sorts of dangers that might strike you, uh, either coming from bandits or foreign raiders. Remember, again, there was no police, there was no highway patrol, no national guard. It was pretty much you and, and the people that were around you to defend yourselves. And so you never knew if coming over, over the... Um, 
coming over the ridge might be someone to attack you. I mean, think about Jesus' parable of the, the Good Samaritan. You know, that, that's, that was a common enough occurrence that you know, Jesus just starts off his story saying a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers. Right? It, it was commonplace enough that, that that sort of was just the backdrop for, for that story. Uh, so certainly there, were, there was the possibility of being attacked by um, uh, robbers. Also, uh, the idea of the moon ruling over the night. I mean, at night, uh, that's when the predators come out, right? Imagine uh, being woken up from a deep sleep and hearing wolves howling at the moon, not too far from where you were sleeping there on the road. Um, I know for us... You know, we, we have chickens and turkeys. Most of the ones we've lost at night have been when there's mostly a full moon, right? That's when, when predators uh, do their, their biggest damage. And yet, we can be assured that the one who created the sun and moon and placed them in charge over the day and night, he's the one that is watching over us. He's keeping over, uh, watch over us. All right, so moving on... Uh, our keeper also preserves us from evil. And in a way, this is sort of a catch-all here when he says, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Anything else that hadn't been mentioned that you might fall, find on this journey, potentially, any other disaster is now covered in this. It, it sort of catches everything else. So whether it's injury or uh, being attacked or uh, anything that could happen, the Lord's got that as well. And, um, and not only natural evils, but also moral evils. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, we pray every, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray, lead us not into evil. And that's a, a good prayer to pray each day. Um, because the Lord protects not only our bodies, but he protects our souls. Remember, Jesus said uh, that we shouldn't just fear those who harm the body, but fear the one who can destroy both our soul, body, and soul. And uh, the Lord uh, is the one who can destroy it, but he's also the one that protects it uh, for the faithful. So the, it's really a catchphrase or a, ca a way of catching everything else. What do you worry about? Um, what do you worry about? Do you think the Lord can't handle that? Is there anything you can imagine that God couldn't handle? Um, and then just in case we have any other doubts and fears, he ends with, the Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So your going is out and your coming in. No matter where you go, God's going to be your keeper. No matter when, where, where in your life, from this time forth and forevermore, God's going to be your keeper. From, you know, one hour from now, when you're no longer here in the sanctuary, God's still watching over you. God's still watching over me. A year from now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now, 10,000 years from now, God is watching every second. Your Heavenly Father is watching over you. He's promised never to leave you nor forsake you. And we should take comfort in that. We can take comfort in that. So just a, a few practical things to, to think about. So when you're anxious or afraid, ask yourself, where does my help come from? You know, who are you relying on? If anything, I, I would think in this day and age, our problem is not so much believing that God can help us, but our problem is believing too much that we can help ourselves. Right? Um, 
Hopefully this doesn't come as a shock to anyone, but the words, God helps those who help themselves, is nowhere in the Bible. I think Ben Franklin might have said that. I don't know. But um, we are inundated, even within um, Christian culture, we're inundated with with self-help. And we're we're constantly thinking in terms of self-help and the books out there. Even Christian books are are self-help with maybe just a Christian veneer on it. Uh, the reality is, though, there's absolutely nothing uh, we can do um, without God's help. You know, even when we're smart enough to think our way through something or, or strong enough to, to power our way through something, God's the one that gives us our mind. God's the one that gives us our strength. God's the one that's done all of that. So we should take a moment to thank God, not only um, for those uh, those rare things or those special occasions, but the ordinary occasions. We, we tend not to think about that, right? I mean, when, when was the last time we saw a headline in the news? This just in, hundreds of planes landed safely today. We would never hear that, right? I mean, we, we tend to focus on, on the negatives, things that go wrong, and yet the reality is there. If, if your plane made it, the last, next time you go on a trip, if your plane made it from point A to point B, you should be thankful. The Lord, yeah, yeah. there's all, all this great engineering that went into it and the pilot and that got you there safely and all that. But the reality is uh, God is the one that made that happen, and we should be thankful for that. So we should train ourselves. We should train our children from early on to, to look to God for help. And, and even as we are doing things on our own, um, quote unquote, on our own, it should be in the spirit of, Lord, give me the, the grace to do this. Give me the help to do this. This is actually a good psalm to, to read regularly um, or even memorize because it, it covers every aspect of life. Um, to start off reflecting at the beginning of the day Okay, anything that, that comes this way today, the Lord's already there. The Lord is taking care of me. The Lord is protecting me. Uh, it's, a, it's a good thing to remember. And, and so I would, I would challenge each of us to remember that the Lord is our keeper, no matter where our journey takes us. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, Father, you are our keeper, and we, we thank you for that. We thank you that um, not because we deserve it, not because we've even earned it, but because you have loved us. Um, you, you are always our ever-present help and comfort and guide. I pray uh, for each and every one here. Um, I know we're each going to face some uh, test or trial, uh, even today or, or this week, and Lord, I pray that you will help us to to not be anxious, but to trust in the creator of the heavens and the earth. And Lord, may we always give you thanks. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.